Hello and welcome to the Forest of the Fae. Here on Pop Culture Fate, we take a look at movies, TV, comics, and other popular media through the lens of the queer folks of society. I am Miller C. Lashbrook and I am your host on your journey through the Forest of the Fae. This week on Pop Culture Fate, I'll be sharing my initial thoughts about Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3. Hope you enjoy! This is Faye News. In this segment, I will cover this week's big entertainment news that caught my eye. Now, um, really, there wasn't a lot of kind of smaller entertainment news this week. Because, of course, um, the big entertainment news this week was that on Tuesday, the Writers Guild of America... Uh, both East and West, announced that they would be going on strike because the major studios were not able to reach um, a new uh, contract, a new agreement with the Writers Guild of America. The deadline for that was Monday at midnight. And if no agreement could have been reached, and they've been working on this for the, for like, well, really for months now, but the past couple of weeks they've been in meetings, the Writers Guild has with the studios, and no agreement was reached, and so Tuesday they officially started going on strike. Now, um, the Writers Guild is going to be on strike for the foreseeable future until the studios are willing to come back to the table and negotiate um, a better deal. I'm not a member. I'm not a member of the Writers Guild of America, so I'm not the best person to explain the writers' strike, um, why it was necessary, why it's important, um, and all of that to the everyday person. Um, I will say that. Uh, as many people who are not part of the Writers Guild have been saying online, I do stand with uh, the Writers Guild of America in in their right to strike and um, the right to um, be paid a fair wage for their work, be paid for all of their work. And uh, a lot of what they're fighting for too has to do with um, making sure that AI can't be used in place of them. So if you're interested in learning more about the Writers Guild of America's strike and um, the possibility of uh, Directors Guild strikes or the SAG uh, striking, um, anything of that nature, and, or how this could be impacting Hollywood in the future, in terms of what you're seeing as a consumer, I would definitely recommend you check out the Script Notes podcast. Uh, they're a screenwriting podcast, but they have had a lot of uh, episodes recently talking about the writer's strike and what that really means for um, writers in Hollywood and why it's necessary. So uh, that's Script Notes.
if you're looking for more information about that. Um, and that really concludes uh, Faye News. Next up, I'll be going into my main topic for this week, talking uh, my initial thoughts about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Alrighty, so today I am here to share my initial thoughts on Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Um, now, right off the bat, I'll say I've seen the movie once. So that's why this is my initial thoughts. Typically, um, well, with the Marvel movies I really enjoy, I try to see them at least twice in theaters. Um, especially if there's a lot of like visual components to it, I'll tend to see them um, a second time in 3D or IMAX or some combination of that. And so I wanted to share my initial thoughts here in case on a second viewing, my thoughts change or evolve or grow in some kind of way. So time of recording, it is Sunday, May 7th. I saw the movie on Thursday night on uh, the 4th. And throughout the weekend, the movie has just stuck with me <laughs> in, a, in a, a wonderful way. Um, right now, I'm going to start, I guess I should have prefaced with this, talking about the movie in very general terms, not spoiling anything. Uh, and then in the second half of these thoughts, I will um, go into spoiler territory. But I'll start off here without any spoilers in case anybody hasn't seen the movie yet. But yeah, the movie um, as a whole, but in particular the ending, has really stuck with me in a, in a great way. I've just kind of been thinking about it uh, already. The soundtrack from this movie, I've wanted to... Now, some of the songs I knew, uh, some of these songs I already knew, uh, some of the songs I had not heard before, but uh, but the soundtrack is already something that I want to listen to and has kind of uh, had an influence on the, the music I've listened to over the past couple days. And I definitely want to see this movie again. Um, the wonderful visuals. I want to see it again in IMAX if I can. Um, I think this is some of the best CG that we've had in a Marvel movie in a while. Um, definitely, I think I want to say the best since uh, I think Shang-Chi probably. Um, or or maybe Eternals. Eternals CGI was was pretty good with the Celestials and everything. Um, so yeah, not the green screen mess issues that Quantum Mania had. Definitely not. Um, the acting here is wonderful. The soundtrack again is awesome. It is a a great third soundtrack in this trilogy this movie in general is is awesome um i gave the movie on letterboxd five stars i 
I think the I think seeing this again, I will only enjoy the movie more. Um, in, in all honesty, right now. In my little MCU ranking on Letterboxd, the movie is sitting at number 10. Um, and that's for MCU projects overall. So that includes the Disney Plus projects. Yeah, it's sitting at number 10 right now. But I think it might go up when I see it again. This movie is the perfect end to James Gunn's time with the Guardians of the Galaxy. It really feels like uh, when a comic book creator has been writing a particular character or team or book for a couple years and they write their final issue, right? They'll get that, that kind of a mega sized issue or like a double sized issue for the end and they'll wrap up their storyline right um i don't think it's a spoiler to say that some version of the guardians could continue in the mcu after this movie um but but it wouldn't be the same right because james gunn is not going to be there um directing and writing right he's moving on to his dc <laughs> projects um and yeah i don't think a marvel movie has really stuck with me in this way since endgame i think some of the phase four films like kind of lingered and stuck with me in their own ways most notably like Shang-Chi and um, No Way Home in particular. But it's been three days since I saw, um, like three and a half days since I saw the movie. And I'm still processing the movie and still thinking about it and like humming the songs and wanting to see it again. Right. And, uh, yeah, I think this is definitely going to go in there as like one of the best MCU movies of all time. And, uh, it's going to fall somewhere on my top 100 movies of all time list <laughs> for sure. Um, I, I can guarantee that. And uh, so, yeah, I, I can't say much more without going into spoilers. So I'm going to take a quick pause here, play some little incidental music. <laughs> and then when I come back, uh, it will be the spoiler section. Now, I'm not going to go... I'm not going to do a beat by beat or anything there. Just specific spoilery things I want to talk about in this initial reaction, like um, post credit scenes, music choices, those kinds of things. Um, but I th I'm thinking maybe next week, uh, if I have any more thoughts to kind of deep dive into when I've hopefully seen it again, 
that that's maybe where I'll do kind of like a moment for moment breakdown of like the plot of the movie and all that. But yeah, so when when I come back uh, from this little break here, it'll be spoilers. So if you have not seen the movie, go watch it, pause the podcast and come back. Okay, um, now I'm going to get into some spoilery thoughts. I, <laughs> I'm i going to try to go in some kind of order here. Um, so first, I want to talk about the fact that we get, like, it. it it's one thing... So, <laughs> I guess the way I'll put it, very few Marvel movies give us actual flashbacks, right? Um, most of the Marvel movies, we hear about characters' pasts, right? In conversation, through dialogue, or we'll, like, do a cold open at the beginning and then jump ahead to the present day. But I think Shang-Chi is the only other Marvel movie that has had um, flashbacks throughout a film, right? Um, And here we get Rocket's backstory throughout the movie. And I've seen people online be like, oh, I kind of wish this was its own separate thing. I know James Gunn said at one point he had a Rocket and Groot movie kind of idea planned, which would cover Rocket's backstory uh, separate from volume three. But I think since in, I mean, throughout acts one and two of the movie, Rocket is incapacitated in the present day having his backstory unfold here not only makes us hate the high evolutionary even more right but also keeps rocket as an active participant of the narrative not not necessarily the plot right because it's backstory but it, it help it, it keeps the audience feeling like we're getting a rocket uh, rocket in our story, right? Since he's absent from the first two acts of this film, he's unconscious, right? Um, and also on that regard, right? I think the ad campaign was super clever in getting us hooked with the finality of this movie, right? Oh, you don't know if somebody might die, and that's why that we're going to end the Guardians, right? But also James Gunn just being like, "Yeah, this is my final ride with this with this team, right?" And I know some have gotten upset about the fact that nobody dies in this movie, right? Well, I should say, not nobody dies, but none of the Guardians die in this movie because there are definitely characters dying in this movie. Um, but I, I think 
the fact that none of the Guardians die just made the ending even more bittersweet, right? Because if when, like with Tony, for instance, right? Tony dying in Endgame, it's, it, you're like, you're sad that Tony is gone, right? Um, as a character um, that you've gotten to know. But he sacrificed himself to save, like, the universe, right? So it's, like, a worthy reason to die. And so I think this was more akin, the ending here was more akin to, like, the old man Steve reveal, right? Rather than Tony or Nat dying in Endgame, where you have characters who they've just decided that this chapter of their life is over and that they're ready for their next adventure. And unfortunately that doesn't involve this family that they've made. Uh, and I think there's something more, it's more bittersweet, but it's also kind of, it's a different kind of goodbye that everybody has to make at different points in their life. Right. Whether it's, like going off to college or um, seeing their kids move out of their house or having siblings uh, move away and go places or just like changing jobs uh, and or, or leaving a place that you've lived for a while and moving somewhere else, right? And the joy and sadness that comes with any kind of big change like that is really kind of what was felt at the end of this movie, right? Peter wants to go back home to earth and like kind of try to reconnect with his grandfather while his grandfather's still living. Right. And he wants to go on that journey as a, a journey of self-discovery and do it on his own, right? Gamora needs to be with her new family of ravagers that she's made um, since she doesn't really have a connection with this Guardians family. Nebula and like uh, Nebula wants to run nowhere, right? Um, Drax wants to help these <laughs> kids uh, who were held by the high evolutionary, right? Mantis wants to go find herself out in the universe. And so we have all these characters kind of going their own separate ways. Um, but I think it's like an important ending to show like there'll always be the next mission or the next version of the team. But the, the, that, that found family or that team can't stay forever, always. And I think that's an important thing to show. Um, I love that we have this arc for Rocket across all of the Guardians stories in the MCU. Where we have him being a jerk in the first two Guardians movies, right? In volume two, he has that 
moment with Yondu where Yondu's like, I know why you're a jerk and why you push people away. It's because you're me, right? Where Yondu realizes that he and Rocket are not that different from one another. And then that goes into Infinity War where he takes Groot with Thor and sep the, the, the family separates. And in that separation, he loses his whole family, right? And in Endgame, he and Nebula spend five years, just the two of them as the only family that they have. And they make new friends with the Guardians, or with the Avengers, rather, right? And he kind of matures a little bit with his time, uh, in his time with the Avengers. Then he goes on the, the time heist with Thor, right? He's the mature one there, which I think is shows how much growth he's done in those five years that he is the one there giving Thor the pep talk uh, when they go back to Asgard 2014, right? And being like, hey, you need to kind of pull yourself together here. Or 2013 Asgard, rather. You need to pull yourself together here. And then he's able to get his family back right at the end of that film. Uh, and then now we're here. I mean, he's not uh, a big part of the holiday special, but now here in volume three, we've seen that he has kind of become a linchpin of this group, right? To the point where they're willing to go so far to make sure to save him, right? Go on this dangerous journey to be able to save Rocket. Um, and now at the end of the film, he's the new leader, right? He's the true captain now. He doesn't have to act like he's the captain like he did in Infinity War. Um, and I just love that arc for him. I think Quill has a similar arc of maturity, but from volume one all the way through um and a similar moment of like in love and thunder where quill is having to be the mature one um juxtaposed against thor right thor being like the sillier more immature character in that moment in thor love and thunder when the, when thor separates from the guardians and that going all the way to Quill now being kind of feeling like he's found himself and he's content and now he can go back to earth. I just, I could talk so much about the individual arcs of these characters about like Mantis coming into her own as a character in this movie about Drax and and Nebula not thinking he had a purpose on the team and then realizing that he does, right? That like being the the dad of the team and giving people little pep talks and making jokes and making people laugh 
doesn't make you a moron. Uh, it just shows that you have a heart, right? Um, and even this, the arc that we get from Adam of being this like dangerous baby child, man child, uh, but then realizing that he needs a family, that second, everybody gets a second chance, as Groot says, right? Well, in his own way. I just, as someone who loves found family stories and who is desperately waiting for X-Men MCU movies, uh, I, 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 these three movies are just awesome and, and amazing. Um, wonderful music choices this time around. I think my the standouts for me are opening with the acoustic version of Radiohead's Creep. Um, Since You Begone by Rainbow, uh, that one's kind of been, I've enjoyed that one already because it was used in the ad campaign for the for in the trailers for this movie but i mean ending the movie with dog days are over and just seeing them all dance just it's making me smile right now it was perfect it was the perfect ending to this movie uh, the, I, a perfect way of like, we had only heard seven, like 60s, 70s, 80s, and some 90s music up to that point. And this was our first time kind of hearing 2000s music in, if you're hearing sounds, that is my cat being a jerk right now. My cat is being an absolute jerk. He has decided that he is going to knock all of the Guardians of the Galaxy's pop figures off of the shelf. Anyway, ending with a 2000s song and one so joyous as Dog Days Are Over was the perfect way to end this movie. Seeing Drax finally dance, seeing that this whole family has become a group of dancers in the universe to call back to Drax's line in Guardians Volume 2 that there are two beings in the universe, those that dance and those that do not. And then have that flow right into the first, uh, the, the mid-credits scene, right? Where Rocket, where they're talking about their favorite music and Rocket is like, hey... I'm pretty partial to come and get your love. And then to play that again, calling back to the first movie, we see our new group of guardians, right? We've got Rocket there, Kraglin is there, Adam Warlock is there, Cosmo's there. We have the little um, blurp or blurg, I think is its name, uh, a little cat thing. It looks kind of like a loath cat from Star Wars um, that Adam kind of adopted and then um, we have Groot there, but he is this kind of like 
he, he looks almost like Groot's, uh, how Groot looked in his original comic book appearance, this kind of like alpha Groot, this giant version of Groot. And then we have one of the kids um, that the high evolutionary was messing with and Rocket calls her Phyla. Um, Phyla Vell is a character that was on the Guardians at one point in the comics. She's, I really enjoy her as a character. She's gone by the names Quasar, uh, Captain Marvel, and Martyr before. Um, she is Marvel's, uh, the Cree Marvel, um, his da- daughter, one of his kids. He's got three kids in the comics. And uh, she at different times has some different abilities. I think uh, most famously though in images you'll see her using the the quantum bands I think is what they're called um, as Quasar and kind of making a, a like yellow sword construct a light construct into like a giant sword um she's a cool character so them teasing her here is interesting uh i think the actress looks maybe like 14 13 to 15 somewhere in there and i imagine we won't see the guardians for a little bit in the mcu so they could easily next time we see this team that character could easily be like a young, a young adult in like 18, 19, early 20s, um, just depending on how long it takes for us to see the Guardians again. And so that was cool. And then our end credits scene, <laughs> we're just seeing Peter back home with his grandpa. And we, I think the biggest thing here, I mean, we, the newspaper gag was funny about Kevin Bacon getting abducted by aliens. But I think the biggest deal here was a lot of people thought we're done with Peter Quill as a character. But right after that end credit scene, it says the legendary Star-Lord will return. And so I think that's a big deal that like confirmation that they do intend to bring Star-Lord back in some capacity. So a lot to unpack here, a lot to think about. Um, that's kind of where I'm going to end my initial thoughts here today. In the coming weeks, I will definitely uh, be talking more about this movie as I hopefully see it again and have some more in-depth thoughts and kind of start to uh, look a little bit deeper at some of the choices made in the movie. Um, But uh, yeah, if you're still listening and you haven't seen the movie yet, sorry, well, not sorry, you stayed at your own risk, but um, this movie's been spoiled for you, but I highly recommend going and seeing this movie. I mean, I've only talked about certain parts of this movie. I've only scratched the surface. Um, It's amazing. Five out of five stars. Top tier MCU movie for sure. Um, You got to go see it. So, uh, yeah, those are my thoughts on the movie. Alrighty, thank you for joining me today as I shared my initial thoughts about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. If you're listening and enjoying the podcast, please give it a review on your podcasting platform of choice. 
five-star review is always appreciated. Also, if you have a friend who would like the podcast, make sure to share it with them to help grow our little community here. Once again, I am Miller C. Lashbrook. You can find me on Twitter at Mill C. Lashbrook, on Instagram at Miller C. Lashbrook. And for more Pop Culture Fae, you can head to my website, popculturefay.com for blog posts and more content. Lastly, I hope that you have a fantastic day, and I hope to find you the next time you wander into the forest of Pop Culture Fae.